100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by my cousin, Mason Martonic. So Mason has successfully filled his tag on four public land big woods bucks in Pennsylvania over 140 inches in the last five years. So we discussed the mindset that goes along with hunting one deer the crazy story of his 2022 Pennsylvania buck, his first elk in Montana, and some listener questions surrounding hunting a specific buck. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, we have a story coming from Joseph Pacey out of Pennsylvania. So on November 8th, 2022, I made a trip to hunt PA public two years past due. A very close friend and PA resident scouted the section of 50,000 acres of game lands in central PA in February of 2021. I found some huge sign on this point that dumped off this huge laurel ridge top and I was a- wasn't able to make it back last season, but I scheduled a week for me to get out there and hunt. I left New York Tuesday morning and drove out to meet my buddy at his house and we headed up to the game lands. We hiked a mile and a half. I went my way. He went his. I eased my way up this finger ridge and found a few rubs, but found a big primary scrape with four finger wide hoof print in it. I set up in a cherry tree with a 25 yard shot to the scrape and a couple of other windows to shoot through. I was set up by 1 p.m. at 3 p.m. The wind started giving me a little more west, so my wind was actually going down the finger from bedding. And I started to get whiffs of buck smell coming out of bedding. I figured there was a buck up there. So at 3.50 p.m., I did a soft grunting sequence. And within a couple minutes, I hear a deer coming out of bedding and down the ridge. I'm picking out pieces of him, but unable to see him until he gets to 60 yards. Then I see the huge rack and stickers. I grabbed my grunt and gave him a soft grunt behind the tree away from him. He spun his head and looked down my direction. Then he spun his head back up the hill as I believe there was another deer up there. As soon as he did that, I gave him another little more dominant grunt and that's what did it. He spun on a dime and started to head my way quickly. As he approached my first hole 25 yards, I tried to stop, but he never slowed. slowed. Spun off on my saddle towards the second hole, tried to stop, but he never slowed. I spun to my third hole at 22 yards and as he entered, I yelled at him. He stopped broadside. I settled my pin and sent the helix broadhead clear through both shoulders. The arrow went through him so quick. He took two hops and looked back at the arrow in the dirt and tipped over. This is my biggest buck to date, a typical 10 with a few stickers and grossing 153 inches, a true Pennsylvania mountain buck. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. 153 inches for Pennsylvania is just an absolute giant. And uh, so congratulations, Joseph, on that buck. And thanks for sending in the story. Love getting these stories in. As a reminder, Head over to East Meets West Hunt on Instagram or East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook to see photos of the bucks in these stories that I share here. So check those out. Send in your submissions through email to bow at eastmeetswesthunt.com. Uh, the only news that I have this week to share is the Timber Ninja pre-orders are now live. So use the link in the podcast notes under the partners pages to shop the pre-order and be the first to get yours. And also, do, I do have a coupon code now. Um, so East Meets West dash gift will get you a free gift with uh, any orders over $200 from Timber Ninja. So check that out. 
Uh, other than that, I think uh, I think we'll just dive into this episode here with Mason. And if you are listening to this, the video version will have kind of shown some of Mason's bucks. I don't have any video of his previous one in in there because it's, it's the taxiderma still, but uh, just some of the bucks on the wall. It's pretty impressive. So go over and check that out on YouTube. That being said, thanks again for listening this week. I really appreciate it. And if you want, go leave a rating and review wherever you listen to it. And that helps out a ton. So have a great rest of your week and uh, we will see you next week. <laughs> that was that terrible. <laughs> All right. Now we're live. Mason Martonic, welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's good to be here, Bo. Yeah. It's funny, the last time that we did a podcast was when, uh, when was it? You were, we were at Johnny's camp. We were at Johnny's camp and you were discouraged a little bit. You were, you know, down and out a little bit with the season so far. Yep, for and, sure. And uh, yeah, but it ended up all all panning out. But anyways, it's uh, it's it's crazy because it's February, end of February here, and there's no snow on the ground. It's pretty rare so far for this season. Yeah, 64, 65 degrees out today. It was, it was like March. I know. I know. How much time have you been out in the woods so far? Not enough. <laughs> yeah. So usually at least one or two, one or two half days on the weekends. And, and it seems like every Friday it has to snow, so you don't get, you're not getting the best scouting in. Yeah. No, I, I know it's, I, I wish I was taking advantage of a little bit more. I'm kind of concerned. Like if I want to find any sheds, everybody else has been out there already. And, uh, that's, I'm kind of looking at as it's probably going to be a scouting season again. Cause there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of people that have been out in the woods. Oh yeah. Just, uh, this past Sunday when we rode out to Kurt's house, I rode my motorcycle out there and it was like, I hit some back roads and every pull off had a, had a truck or a Jeep in it. Yep. So. Yeah. Shed hunting is not going to be, not going to be so great. Uh, who knows though? People walk past yeah, stuff. You can't find them all. No. I mean, if you got a lot of people out there like me looking, you're going to miss them. I mean, it's just, it's inevitable. I mean, if you look at it, even when you follow people's like tracks in the snow or whatever, when they're out kind of looking with there, there's a lot of land that's being missed. That's for sure. But it, it doesn't help the morale. Oh Yeah. I, I fully agree. I, I've also found sheds while walking other people's tracks too. Yeah. Well, actually my dad, he probably wouldn't be happy if I said that this live on the podcast, but I'll, I'll say it kind of, but he said that he was in an area where he's following somebody's tracks and he, that's what he just did yesterday. Found, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He found a few sheds and, uh, he, he's like, there's definitely somebody in there. It's just, he was actually finding sheds in some thick stuff, which, uh, you know, people are walking like the logging roads and the trails and he was finding them off the trails in some of the, the more brushy type stuff, right? like stuff that would be difficult to see him in. That's for sure. Yeah. Those are the ones I walk right past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah same, same here. Um, but anyways, so I wanted to, I wanted to get you on and talk a little bit. So when, well, I guess when we had you on the last podcast, we were talking about, you know, being confident and all that stuff. And when you're not confident and, you know, pushing forward to, uh, I guess to be confident and being able to hunt deer. And over the last five years, um, I thought it was four. you said it was three of your target bucks that 
that you hunted, you targeted a specific buck and you killed him on public land in Pennsylvania. And so the, the real number is it was four over 140 inch, but the one you weren't necessarily targeting. Is that correct? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, which is extremely impressive and you're not one to brag. So that's why I'm doing it a little bit here for you, but it's an, it's an extremely impressive feat to be able to chase after, you know, a, a singular deer in the big woods and then be able to do it not only once, but multiple times. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that, but I think, I think to kind of get it rolling here, but rather than just diving into tactics, cause that's no fun and it's hard to generalize right. that kind of stuff is just talking about the deer from the, the 2022 season and kind of going back to when you first found him and then I'll kind of chime in as, as I was, as being your cousin and friend and being along the road for it when you were telling me that you were going to hunt this deer. So tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I, I picked this deer up on camera in the summer when he was a, a three-year-old, I figured. I, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, I was guessing he was a three-year-old and it was a deer I, I wasn't necessarily ready to start hunting, but I was like, this deer has a lot of potential. I was like, this could be a 170 someday. Who who knows? It's gonna, it could be a magnificent buck. So I watched him the following year. He got a tiny bit bigger. And then the next year he got a little bit bigger yet. And, uh, I, I was still pretty, I was still pretty happy. Like I was, it's an, it's a nice buck and I was, I was really excited about it. And, uh, then in 2021, that's when I decided I wanted to start hunting him. And, uh, I, I never really got on him right where I thought he was living the most on, on this, on this one hill. It, ha, it always had vehicles there hunting for him. So I never went, I never hunted for him right where I thought he was living. I was always kind of hunting the outskirts and uh, I never got on him until the, the last week of the, the last week of the season in 2021, I, I finally started getting on him a little bit, but I, I, I didn't, I had no confidence that I could kill him at the time. So I, I, I shot a, I shot a nice eight point one of the, the last week there. And before I even got the buck back to my house, I started pulling some cards on the way home. And, uh, if I would have done that card pull one day sooner, I think I would have had a pretty good chance at him. So then I had some good Intel going into the, the 2022 season, uh, put some cameras out in August, maybe before I went to Montana. But, but hold on a second, go back. You had sheds of them though too, right? Yeah. 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 So, so uh, last spring, so it would have been the spring of 2022, uh, after work one day, this is before daylight savings. So you're, you're running out in the woods to look for like half an hour, 45 minutes before it gets dark and the snow was melting. And I was like, I, I got one spot where I think I, I can find this deer sheds and it, it's, it's going to be like a 50 yard by a hundred yard area where it's, the snow's going to be melted enough that I might be able to see. It was a nice spring day in February. And, uh, so I, I went driving my truck as fast as I could out these dirt roads to get to where I'm going parked and beeline right to that spot. And I, I got there and like five minutes later, I found one of its sides. It's like this, this is unreal. It never works like this. And, <laughs> but that, that was a really good clue is to like, to confirm my thoughts. Like, okay, my assumptions were right. He's, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure like that was where he was living right in this area it was a it was a clear cut maybe like an eight-year-old clear cut eight nine-year-old clear cut and uh so that kind of set set the tone for the 2022 season i was like okay this buck's getting hunted super hard but he's still here right and i and i believe that and you got to take a lot of assumptions when you're hunting these bucks i i don't 
I don't know anything for certain, but I take a lot of guesses. I think about it every day of the year. <laughs> and uh, I always say you always you only got to get it right once. And, so, and sometimes in my cases, you got to get it right twice. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, so that, that led into the, the 22 season. And be, before the season, I started throwing some cameras up because you, you can find sign. Like in, in this area, there's actually one buck that was definitely older, bigger, more mature buck but he didn't have that the same headgear that the buck i killed had so it's like you can find some big sign but it does doesn't necessarily mean it's the buck that you're hunting yeah so i i, I put some put some cameras out and I, I started picking them up and he looked about the same as he did the year before and uh i was like i was pretty happy pretty happy with him i was like okay this is the buck i'm going after for sure and uh i don't where do you want me to take it from here well i guess um I wanted to, to go back a little bit and, you know, when one of the questions I got, so I'd ask people on Instagram for some questions as far as, and they're saying like, when you're going to find a deer, do you typically find a deer based off of trail cameras first, or is it sheds? Like what, what's your kind of process to find a deer that you want to target? Or like in this situation, it sounds like it was one you saw and he's like, oh, he has a nice frame. He's not there yet, but he kind of kept tabs on him. What, what's your your thought process on that uh i'd say whatever it takes get on bucks this one is definitely one I, I had a picture of first and i started keeping tabs on him i started shed hunting that area uh i only picked up one of his sides out of those three years and uh that's yeah do you do you think that uh do, do you put a lot of weight on sheds like when you find a shed as far as the buck living there or wh- what what do you look at like from a shed antler standpoint uh, I, I do put quite a bit of weight on it, I think, because if you look at the law of averages, they're more likely to lose it in a place they spend a lot of time. Yeah. Right. And it, it seems like in the, in the big woods, they tend to lose their antlers a little bit earlier in the areas that I hunt. So I, th- I think they get hunted really hard in rifle season. Then you get a cold snap and some snow. It's like, they're usually dropping right around that time. Some of them do hold longer, even into April I've seen, but for the most part, it seems like not long after the Christmas hunting season time period, it's they're, they're dropping. So it, it seems like the right time of year where they're going to be in a comfort, an area where they feel comfortable and, and want to be. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes total sense. And the, the thing is like some of these bucks can leave and go different places, even sometimes rifle season, pressuring them and pushing them out. But like you said, if you're looking at the law of averages, not all of those bucks are doing that. And then you, the, obviously it's just one piece of the puzzle. You know, you find yeah, a shed, yep. it's not like, okay, this buck's living right there. That's the only thing. That's just like, okay, I have that in my mind now as I'm looking at other sign. Does it seem like maybe he's living here or, you know, do I have pictures of him two miles away or, or, you know, finding better sign in those types of areas. So I think, I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. And I've, I feel like I'd never put a ton of weight on shed hunting in the past. And it was like, I'd rather scout and I kind of put them in two separate buckets because I, I'm not an effective shed hunter when I'm scouting for sign and I'm looking at like how to hunt an area. Now some are, which I'd put you and my dad in that category of people that still find a lot of sheds and are scouting at the same time. But like, I know, but that takes also a lot of time out there to do it. Yeah. Too. So like you're, you're putting in a ton of time in the spring and walking around and, and covering ground from that standpoint. And that's when I do the majority, the majority of my scouting too, is the spring because it, 
to me is is you're cooped up all winter. You can't wait to get out there. The weather's just breaking. You have a chance of finding some nice sheds and the signs all laid out there. The grass hasn't grown up yet. And the summer's so buggy. I just, I just don't even want to be out there. I want to take the summers off. Yeah. Right. So that, that's when I, it's my favorite time of year to be in the woods. And that's when I do the most scouting. Yeah. We, we used to joke about your scouting regimen because it was like, extremely heavy in the spring and like you'd put on ridiculous amount of miles walking hiking doing that and there was a lot of years you weren't even running cameras at all in the summer like yeah or at least a few years and we joke with you about it but it was like you're like i kind of know the areas that they're hanging out in and i want to take the summers off before i go yeah in hard in the fall and i think that's i, th- I think it obviously is a, a tactic that works now recently you've started you know, you started hunting a little bit or not hunting, scouting a little bit more in the summers. And I think that was more out of just guilt than anything. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, and I got a, got rid of my boat and I have a girlfriend. So the distractions went down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that makes sense. Um, but going back to this, uh, specific deer. So, you know, you learned, some about them in the 2021 season. And I remember this conversation. So when you were talking about the last week of the season, for anybody listening, he's referencing the last week of our November, like archery season, not, not after rifle season or Christmas or anything, but in, in November and you, and I remember you, you, uh, we were looking at maps and there was a couple different points and you're like, I'm pretty sure he's living over here. And you were going back and forth and throwing sits at him and, and, uh, you know, it didn't work out that year, but you learned a, a lot coming into this year. And I remember sitting right here at this table, you and I were probably having a couple drinks and watching YouTube or something and, and just talking and you're holding that shed right after you found it. And you're like, he's my target buck this year. Like I, I feel like I know something about him, and I feel like it's, uh, there's, there's a lot that could go into it. So talk about now go back. I think where you left off was in the summertime. Um, did you have photos of him in the summer? Oh, uh, August is probably when I put the cameras out and I, I picked them up within the first few weeks on, on one camera. And, and he, I, I never had a lot of pictures of this buck and I never had a single daylight picture all of 2022. But, uh, yeah, I, I picked him up in a little bit in the summer and that was enough for me just to know he's alive. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it's not, it wasn't putting any bait out in the summer or anything. So it, it's like, you're getting them on their natural, just natural movements. Right. So it's a big expansive area. And if you pick them up a couple of times, it, it's enough for me to think like I, I'm, I'm at least somewhat in the zone. Yeah. I'm close. How much did he move from that area? Like from the summertime or did he kind of stick around in that? particular area that that buck kind of just stuck right around do you think that do you think that has anything to do with his age do you see that with some of those older bucks having like a tighter core area or do you see that with many of the bucks that you're chasing to me i i think every deer is different and and this deer is kind of a homebody he just kind of all year long i think he lived right in one right in one spot and, and it's not just one spot i mean it's it's acres of area but it's he didn't his home range didn't really change too much. I don't think he might during the rut. He definitely took a couple wider swoops through some different areas where I, I picked him up in 2021. And that's where I, I think he got in an area where there was a hot doe when I shot that eight point. And it's like, if I would have, if I would have had that information and stuck it out a little bit longer, I might've had a chance. Yeah. I gotcha. But yeah, this book, I think he kept a pretty tight pattern. Uh, just get talking to guys and, uh, 
in our, our family and, and guys at work, we've, we've definitely known about bucks that are going a lot longer distance that are the older, bigger, mature caliber of deer. And, uh, just, just think they're all individuals, just like people. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And, and then once you got into October, did you, oh no, I guess at that point you had went, you went to Montana and elk hunted. And I want to get back to that story later, but I want to, um, actually, no, let's, let's talk about that a little bit about your elk hunt, because even, even though it's a little bit different, a little bit off topic, but it goes kind of in the timeline here. And, uh, so talk, yeah, talk a little bit about your, your Montana elk hunt. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%, and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S., and I've been using the Acura series, but they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade short barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Yeah, so we, we were all supposed to draw some nice tags in, in Montana, and the, the draws didn't didn't work out in our favor. So uh, I ended up with a, a tag that was I could hunt close to my brother's house. He just moved out to Montana. So I was, I was like, this this is going to work out pretty nice. I'm going to get a two-for-one, go visit Tyler, do some elk hunting. Uh, so I drove out there by myself. It was a long-ass drive. I think you did this year, too. Yeah. So I uh, hunted out there with my brother the first few days of the season. Uh, actually my, br- my brother found a, a, a really big elk right like five days before I was supposed to go out there. And then I ended up moving my vacation around. I left work a couple days early and drove out there just, just on a whim and, uh, started hunting that area where he saw the big bull. And, and I think we, we saw it, we, we hunted there for a while and, uh, ended up calling in a, a pretty nice five by five. And at, at this point it was day three into my hunt and Tyler had to go back to work. So I was by myself. Yeah, I shot. I shot that five by five. Uh, sent. A, I was using my brother's satellite message phone. Shot him a message, and he messaged your brother Kurt. Yep. Right. So then Kurt lives. How how many? Like two hours away. Yeah, two or three hours away. Yeah, two three hours away. And Kurt Kurt left work to come help me pack meat off the mountain. Him and Tyler both. So that that was a huge help, and and it just just a really great experience. Yeah, and 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 it was also your first elk too, and yeah. which is pretty crazy. So you've you've been on the mule deer bug, like you've had elk tags, but you've been focused on mule deer, and you killed what two or three two 
Just two. Two mule deer. Yeah. And uh, so this year you had, you had a buck tag too, but you were focused on hunting elk and going into it. And yeah, our plans got shattered and we were supposed to all go as this big group and we ended up in different areas and it was just kind of a, kind of a cluster there. And you ended up having to go by yourself, which I think is, is pretty cool on its own. Like it's, it's anybody that's been out West and you know, a a decent amount of people that listen to this have been out West and they understand how hard it is and how mentally challenging that is to feel like you're doing the right thing when you're by yourself. But at the same time, when you, sometimes when you're in a group, you can go, you can get into that problem where you rely, you're like, you don't want to make a decision because you want to check out. You want to see, you know, if I'm with you, I want to see what's your thoughts and that thoughts. And then it's hard to like make a decision where you just like, when you're on your own, you just like, make a decision and go and you got an elk i mean right away on that that trip and yeah learned learned quite a bit about about them during that that time frame yeah and uh, just going back to having to check in with your partner when, when you're hunting with your brother that that's escalated right <laughs> so we went right back to our our, uh, our younger days fighting we weren't fist fighting but we definitely got in some altercations and, but but then you, you snap right out of it and you're, you're back into it you get you get over it and move on and I, I yeah i really enjoyed that trip hunting with tyler yeah and then get getting it by your getting an elk by yourself too one that are like a foreign mystical beast to me right because I, I never got one so walking up on an elk compared to a deer is is pretty incredible to think okay i'm by myself i got a I got to quarter this thing up now and get it, get it home. Yeah. And and that was, I was gonna say that was like, um, so that elk was bedded down, right. And you had called and he responded and you moved down towards him. Yep. Actually the, the bigger six by six that, that I was hunting for, I ran into it again that morning. He was bedded down and, uh, it was one of those things I was just finding his tracks in the timber and, uh, getting above him. He was by himself this day and I just saw a big bull track by himself. He was side hailing. So I got above him got on top of the mountain put kept just kept pushing forward peeking down off the mountain looking down on these benches trying to fu- hopefully find them bedded bedded and then uh it was like the, the third or fourth time i did that i was like oh my gosh there's an elk bedded there <laughs> it's like it's like my plan is actually working so yeah. so i could just see its hind quarter so I, I started creeping in i'm like 65 yards creeping in a little bit more i can see a piece of antler i'm like okay it's it's a uh, small to medium size bull okay so i mean i'm gonna i've never killed an elk before i'm pretty excited i'm just gonna try and try and get it so i was like i'll I'll just go a little bit further you know if if he runs away it's it's not the the biggest bull in the world and i still have almost two weeks left so i pushed a little bit further than what i probably should have and when he stood up he was the big one that i was hunting for the last couple days (laughs) which i I had a couple close calls in that bull and it was a really fun hunt but he, he took off and then uh when he ran away uh an elk down below must have heard him running right so then he let out a bugle like not really knowing what's going on yeah but it, it sounded like it was a, a smaller bull but i was like I'm, I'm here and i'm I'm still having fun i don't really have high expectations and i, I went down and I, I crept down to where that bull was bedded and i went a little bit further where i could see down over the edge and i, I started cow calling and he started answering me this this other bull and he uh just came up the mountain bugling right at me the whole way and i i got a shot at him yeah that's a that's that's so awesome and yeah i remember i was like so i'd been out there for like almost a week at this point and i remember getting the the text 
that you had shot a bull and it was just like so fired up. It was, it was so cool to, um, for you to be able to do that and then getting the pictures of Kurt and Tyler coming to help yeah. pack out the bull. And for anyone that's listening, like Mason, he's, you know, known, uh, as far as hunting big white tails and shooting big white tails, but your, your passion is more so in the West. It seems like, like as far as all these bucks that you've been shooting are with like a day or two of vacation left because you burn it all out West every year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so you were, but this year, I mean, do you came back, did you come back early or did you stay out the whole time? I stayed out the whole time. I, I should have came back early. What I did was I, my brother got a deep freezer right before I came out because he's going to need one for hunting season anyways. And I was going to need a place to keep my meat cold while I was out there. Yeah. And, uh, he he also had a tag in Montana, but it wasn't by his house. So I, I was planning on taking a trip with him and just hunting, helping him get a bull after I got mine. And uh, so I put my meat in his deep freezer. We put it on the lowest setting, thinking it'd just be like a refrigerator. Well, instead, I froze four elk quarters together and I wrestled them for a week trying to cut them up. So I, I should while they were froze, I should have just came home after my brother's hunt. Yeah, and uh, cut it up here instead of wasting my vacation. But I, yeah, I, I spent a week just wrestling elk meat to burn my vacation up. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, and you were so mad. You're just I like, was. I remember I talked to you on the phone the one time. I think I was, I might have been on the mountain, or maybe I came into Kurtz or something, and you're just like, I can't. I'm so <laughs> mad. And uh, and again, that was all part of the cluster too of like. Tyler was the only one that drew the tag that we wanted, like the special unit tag. Yeah. All the rest of us, it didn't work out that way. And it really screwed him because he didn't even really want to draw the tag that we wanted. He wouldn't hunt by his, by his house. We'd go after work and he's the only person that drew the tag and I'm hunting 15, 20 minutes from his house and he can't, he can't do that. Yeah. So, so for anyone listening, residents in Montana, they changed the rule last year where if you draw a special tag, um, a draw tag, you can't hunt the general units too. You're only limited to that area. So, you know, he had to drive across the state to go hunt this tag when he has been scouting and knew where all these elk are close to his house. And that was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that was kind of funny, but, um, yeah, I kind of wanted to, to tell that story first because it, it was cool that you got your, your first elk and, and we're able to, you know, do that. And, and then we, we met up on your way home. We both went back at the same time at Justin's house there and um in in minnesota and then went back but then so at that point it was you know the later part of september and uh you know getting ready for for whitetail season so kind of take it from there yeah so we came back to pa and uh went 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 back to work right away uh after work i started checking some camera cards uh i might i can't remember if i picked them up again while i was in montana but the whole time I was, I was in Montana after I killed my bull, I'm thinking about this buck. So I, I get back, I check some camera cards. I think, I think he was on one of the cameras one time, the whole time we were in in Montana in September. So I, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't discouraged, but I wasn't really excited either, but I, I still felt like he was, he was living right where my, a lot of my cameras were. And I, and I cast, uh, had about eight cameras, seven or eight cameras out. And I, I put them all, I was all in on this buck. So I, I didn't really scout any other areas, which is probably going to bite me this year. But, uh, I was only picking them up in a pretty small area this year. So going into the season, uh, was mo- pretty much counting on 
the rut for this buck. I, I think I could have had some chances on him a, a couple colder days in October that we had there, but I, I didn't, I didn't go after him. I was, I was mostly just bouncing around hunting other spots. And then, uh, it was the end of October. I, I don't remember the day, maybe October 28th. It was right after uncle Mike killed his buck. So I want to say like around the 28th Yeah, uh, that we got a really cold night. So it was a really cold frosty morning. I was like, this feels like today I have a wind. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, kind of good, kind of not good, but I'm going to, I'm going to try it, try a sit for him and, and climbed up in the tree that morning. And, uh, I, I think I texted you and Michael that morning. I was like, man, guys, my, my, my spot's a 10, but my setup's a two. Yeah. I just, I just had an awful setup. I, I knew there's so many people hunting this this buck the year prior in 2021 i was like i, I gotta do something different than what everybody else was doing so i, I set up in a, a a really goofy spot that you probably wouldn't wouldn't really think to hunt and uh I, I set up i was only about eight feet off the ground on a steep side hill and i never had a picture of this buck right where i was sitting but i had him around there i was like my camera's got to be just off he's probably coming right through here and I'm just not, I'm just not picking them up. So I sat there in, in, in 9.15 I started hearing footsteps and I'm looking around. I can't see very far and, and I, can't, I can't see him anywhere. And I, the footsteps keep getting closer and closer and he's moving pretty quick. And I'm, I'm like, oh, this, this isn't good. So I grab my bow and I'm, I'm just, I'm standing up and I'm looking on the left side of my tree, looking on the right side of my tree and the footsteps keep getting closer. And, and pretty soon I, I look like down underneath my armpit and he's coming right to the base of my tree <laughs> and, and, uh, the thermals haven't really switched yet. So my thermals kind of drop and there's some hemlocks behind me. The wind wasn't, wasn't great. I was, I was, if he came from, from exactly where I was hoping to, which is a stretch, I mean, I'm just lucky to see him. But, uh, anyways, my, I knew my wind wasn't going to be great if he's coming right, right at my tree from the direction he was coming and he gets right to my tree and I don't know if he winded me or if he saw me, but he knew something wasn't right. And he ran back down the direction he came from and started circling around me and he stopped. And I was like, okay, it's now or never. And, and uh, there's a, a stick in the way earlier that I identified that I was like, if, it, if a deer comes from this direction, I'll never be able to shoot at him because my limb's going to hit this branch. So Somehow I, I got in a yoga pose and I looked and everything looked <laughs> <laughs> everything looked clear. Uh, there's a there's a little window in the brush I, I tried to shoot through, and I mean there's a clear window where if I if I perfectly made it through this window I would have had a, a really good shot at this buck. But I'm thinking I hit I must have hit one of those long I mean one of those limbs because when I when I shot I I didn't never saw my arrow hit the deer, but it sounded hollow like it normally would, but, but different. And, and it, it's, it's hard to describe. Like, <laughs> like normally you think of like shooting a, sounds like shooting a pumpkin or something. It was similar to that, but it was like more high pitch. And right when I shot, I, was, I just had a feeling like, like something wasn't right. And the deer ran off uh, about 50 yards out of sight and I heard him stop. And it's still, it's still like a hard frost, like a really hard frost. It was a cold morning. So I could hear really well. And he stopped and I'm thinking, okay, fall over, fall over, fall over. And about 30 seconds later, I heard him walk off. I'm like, this, is, this isn't good. So he, he walked off and, uh, I sat there for another half an hour. I started texting you guys and now I'm wondering if I even hit the deer. <laughs> so I'm sitting there just trying to replay in my head what, what happened. 
I got down, found my arrow, and it's there's blood froze on it, right? So I was like, that's kind of good. But I'm, I'm looking around, and there's, there's no blood on the ground right where I shot him. I started following the tracks. I, I followed the tracks about eight yards, and then there's pretty decent blood. So I'm like, I, I don't really know what to think at this point. So I backed out. Uh, driving out, I called my dad and my uncle Mike just to see who was available to come help track. And, and just show my arrow to see what they see what they thought. So I got to my uncle Mike's house. I don't think my dad was answering me, and it showed him my arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, every he's like, I, "Like, there's no guts on it. Like, nothing's telling me to wait on this deer." And I'm like, "I, I kind of agree with you. It's like he's he's either still going to be alive, or he's not. I mean, he's going to be dead, or he's probably not going to die. Is kind of what I'm thinking." And uh, we, get, we go back in a few hours later and start tracking them. And, uh, we, we start down this blood trail and we go like another 10 yards past where I stopped and there's a lot of blood and we go another 10 yards and it's like, you can see where he's coughing blood up, right. And where he, where he, where I heard him stop, he's just coughing blood up like, like a, a pile the size of a dinner plate. And then you go another 30 yards and there's a pile like the size of a dinner plate. And then, uh, but I mean, it's not like a puddle, but there's a good amount of blood that's coughed up around there. And we, we followed the tracks for like a hundred, a hundred more yards. And, and it's like for how, for how he's bleeding, you'd think you'd, you'd find him here. So yeah. I started losing confidence at, at that point. Uh, and then it, it, it was really weird. It's like this deer knew like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of messed up right now. I, I got, I got to go find a place to hide. So he, he, he just skirted the edge of this clear cut and there's a very specific spot where he dove into the clear cut and right when he dove into the clear cut, we started finding big clots of blood. So he was clotting up already, probably a muscle hit. And we followed the tracks up to this blowdown. There's two trees that were blown down and parallel together about three feet apart. And then two additional trees that blew down on top of it, like an X. So it was like a double X and there's brush growing over top of those. And he crawled inside of those trees. It was like a little fortress right there. And that's, that's where the last blood was. And we never found him, never found him from that spot. But I started thinking, I was like, I bet you this buck comes here every rifle season and lays here, never moves yeah. like during daylight. It's, it's like, he knew exactly where he wanted to go to feel safe. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, before I go back into there's there's an important part that you missed, but I want to go further with the track. So at that point, then you'd call it a tracking dog. Yep. To to come in and and help, and you guys spent the whole day basically in there looking because I was I was out yeah I was out hunting at that point. I remember, and you're like, hey, no worries, coming to to help. You're like, got a tracking dog. We're gonna see what what happens. So explain a little bit what they told you there. Uh. Yeah, when we were tracking him, uh, I was telling him about the shot. He right away he smelled my arrow. He, he said, uh, "The tracker, not the dog." The, tr- the tracker <laughs> smelled my arrow, and he goes, "Man, it smells like muscle to me." And I, I was like, I, "I don't know any better." Yeah, and, and uh, I'm like, "I'm like, okay." I'm kind of losing confidence a little bit. I, I my confidence was already pretty down at this point, but uh, we went in there with the, the tracker and super nice guy. The dog was really good, and. Uh, 
right away we got on the blood trail he wanted to start right where right where i shot from and the dog tracked it perfectly right to the spot where we last blood we or where we lost blood and from there the dog started doing circles and would take off a direction we'd follow it come back to the last blood take off another direction follow it and he's like the, the tracker said if, if the dog's doing this it, it's probably gonna live he goes I, i've seen a lot of single long head deer and and we've ne- more times than not we don't recover them he goes if it if a deer's like gut shot or or more mortally wounded he goes the dog doesn't act like this he's on a mission to find this deer and, and he's kind of losing interest after the last blood deer so at that point uh we looked for the rest of the day anyways just just kind of gritting this clear cut the valleys and the, this this top just just trying to f- just body searching pretty much or seeing if the dog would pick up on something and uh we didn't find anything so the next morning i got you and michael and and your dad and uh we went in there and did another body search with, without any luck. I threw some more cameras out after we were done looking with you. I uh, did some more body searching myself and and uh, never never turned them up. Yeah, and I I, I want to go back to the the part the it was a couple days prior. It was like midway in the week actually. You went out scouting real quick after work and where you found this exact spot wasn't like oh yeah this is before i hit him yeah yeah before you hit him so good so i'm backtracking to before you shot it was the middle of the week i remember i was coming out of the woods from checking cameras and you called me and you were just like you're like dude like i i found him like i yeah i think he's he's here and i'll and you were just like you're like he's he's killable with this cold front coming and and you were like as confident and like as laser focused and pumped up and you're like I just need to call somebody and tell them <laughs> how how pumped I am and so explain yeah. about like what you saw that made you think that this that that was that buck because you didn't have trail cam data to to confirm this but this was going off of you reading sign right and and that that's not where I I hit him the first time but it led to where I got him the second time. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I'm just, so I, I'm casting this pretty decent net of cameras and I'm not picking them up, picking them up anywhere besides this, this one spot. But I know like deer don't just live in, in one little spot. Right. So I'm trying to figure out where else is he going? I'm So I'm just trying to figure out his range, see where I got to be, where, where the best setups are in, in that range. And, uh, so I, I go, it would be across the valley from this point where I'm, I'm picking them up at. And I did a lot of scouting on this other side and, and nothing, nothing was getting me excited until I got to this one spot. And years ago I, I found, I found some big beds in this spot, but there's never much sign. And I get there this year and it, it it's just tore up. Okay. And it's, it's one of those spots I heard Zach from the, the hunting public say, he goes, sometimes you're in a spot where, big bucks live and it just feels like you shouldn't be there this is one of those spots like you just get that feeling like, <laughs> yeah. like it's a it's a weird feeling and uh i got that here and uh I, I found a scrape and there's branches laying in the scrape and i'm looking at the branches and i'm thinking like this this buck had kind of long compact tines and i'm looking at these branches and i'm like a buck would have to have pretty long compact tines to be able to <laughs> compact tines to be able to bust these branches off the way it did. I was like, this is him. I know it. I, I know it is. And I have a backpack with a couple cameras in it. So I was like, I, 
And sometimes I think cameras can mess gear up too. So I'm kind of, I'm trying to find a place where I can put a camera without messing it up. So I'm, I'm walking around a little bit, trying to find a good spot without getting too much scent in there. And, uh, I, I walk like five more feet after I find the scrape and I hear deer just crash. And I was like, and like sometimes when you spook deer, they just trot off and other times they're crashing. Like you, you, you really boogered it up. And this is one of those ones where you really boogered it up. Like you saw you and you was really scared, yeah. but, but I heard that and I, and I swear I could hear antlers hitting off the trees. And I was like, that was him. I, I know it is. Like I had, I had so much confidence that it was him and, and it's really, it's a lot of false confidence. It's, it's just a huge assumption, but I just had a gut feeling like it was him and that's where he's living. So it's just another, it's another clue, right? Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm shooting a new bow this year and I am pumped after playing around with a buddy's Hoyt RX eight, the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid. Like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the GoStix 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier if you want to experience what i'm talking about head to your nearest hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself you can learn more at hoyt.com the mobile hunters expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other it provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business come experience an unbiased community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out at, or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the mobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. So I set those cameras up, and but I never had the right wind to hunt there. Right. I needed a pretty specific wind to hunt that spot. It was, it was, uh, just the trees that were available to set up in it, it just wasn't, it wasn't worth the risk and with an off wind, because I think you would never get a shot with, w- without the perfect setup. Yeah. Right. So I never got that. So that cold morning on the 28th, I went back to where I knew I had a wind that was pretty good for the setup. Not great, but pretty good. Like a just off wind where they're, they're, they're coming down the trail and your wind's coming at like a, a pizza slice to them. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's where I ended up getting them, but I kept that in mind, like the, that piece of the puzzle is like, so don't give, don't give up on that. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that that buck will ever come back again, or, or maybe it will, but I, I'm definitely keeping it in mind. You get, you don't get a lot of clues with these big bucks. No, no. And, and, uh, the spot that you set up and you shot him the first time, October 28th, 30th or whatever day it was there, if I remember right, you were telling me like there wasn't a lot of like big buck sign right there as far as like there wasn't scrapes or anything. It was just kind of like a thick side hill. And what did you say? There was like a little draw that came up or something or I'm trying to remember. No, it, 
it was just kind of, it was on the side of a point and there there was a nice vertical trail right there okay gotcha yep and all right that makes sense and okay so now now fast forwarding um you're at the lowest lows you know i remember when i left you after we were body searching that that whole day there you were just like man this is my chance like this is it and i i could i could feel it like you're just like distraught they you know you hit this animal and wounded them and just you'd work for that opportunity too from that standpoint and it's just like where where did you go from there after well, a pity party I, I thought about it a lot <laughs> so <laughs> so and I, I went back to work uh i was pretty much just just working and, and body searching after work listening for crows listening for coyotes uh one one day, our uncle Mike went out and he listened for coyotes and crows for me. He he looked around a little bit, and I uh, kind of just gave it a few days for hopefully he'd walk by one of the cameras if he was still alive, and uh, just did that throughout the whole week. And it was like eight or nine days later, I checked the camera and finally I picked him back up again. So so now he's alive. It's like a huge weight's lifted off my shoulders, and it's like okay, I'm I'm ready to start hunting again. So. At that, I mean, at that point, I'm I'm pretty much I'm ready, but I don't necessarily know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like, do you go back to where you first hit him, where you know he's been living, or or or, or where do you even go from there? Right. Because I've still never even picked him up in daylight once on camera, but I, I kind of had a spot in mind back to. I was like, I'll, I'll just give this give this area a little bit more time. I'll go try another spot. Maybe there's a hot doe in this area where there was a hot doe last year, right? So I went on that spot, climbed up in the tree. It's another beautiful cold morning and uh, never saw him. And the whole time I was sitting in the tree, I was like, I, I got to go back. I got to go back to where where he's lived, where he's spending the most amount of time. It's like, I, I feel like he's not going to leave there. So I, that, that morning I, I pulled out around 11 o'clock, uh, moved stands, moved my stand down to this, this creek crossing where I, I found some big tracks. There, there's a, there's a decent sized scrape in this bottom that I was running a camera on. And, uh, it wasn't, it was getting hit hard in early November, late October, early November, but, uh, it, it wasn't really touching in a while, but 30 yards away, there's a creek crossing there and I saw some big tracks in it and it's going up on that point where I found a really good sign before. So I'm like, okay. This is looking pretty good. And, and I was like, this makes perfect sense. I pulled out a map. I was like, okay, this is making perfect sense. So it, we got the spot here where he lives, right? Where, where I hit him the first time. And we have the only other spot where I feel like I found sign that was definitely, that I'm assuming was from him taking a pretty good educated guess and a path straight line right, right in between. So, so I'm like, this, this could work. So I, I climb up, I climb up in the tree beautiful stand and uh it's it's about three o'clock now and i sat for 20 minutes and i, I started hearing some footsteps coming and i'm like this it was like this sound, it sounds like a buck I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that was a deer but then i heard it again i was like okay it's def- definitely it's walking like a buck and coming, coming right down the hill is is that t- 10 point i'm like no way I'm not going to mess this up again. So I, I stand up, I get ready and being in the bot, that bottom, the wind swirls really bad. So I was like, I'm not going to give him, 
a chance. I'm, it's the first good shot I get, I'm going to take. So he starts getting into range. He stops in a thicket of pine, or a thicket, not pine trees, but a thicket of little trees. And I'm like, as soon as he walks out of this thicket, I'm going to get him. So I, he starts walking and I, and I pull back and he's in that thicket of trees and he, he stops again. But this time he stops, he stops in the thick of the trees, but there's a hole. I was like, and, and he's slightly quartering towards me, but I'm like, I know I can put a rate right in his heart this time. And I was like, a second chance is a blessing. So I'm taking my time. I'm checking my bubble. I'm, I'm making sure my, my peep sight's perfectly around my housing. And I just start pushing and pulling the bow apart until it breaks. And, and the bow goes off. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, thank God that felt so good. <laughs> and, uh, I was like, he, he's not going to take that. And he, he ran like 45 yards and it bedded down just died right there uh, well no you missed the funniest part is when you were aiming and you saw your wound from the first time oh yeah you're like i'm not <laughs> aiming that much further off i, I forgot about that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so yeah animals are just so tough it, i got a little bit better angle this time that's that's what the difference was the first time he was like pretty much perfectly broadside or actually he was slightly quartering towards me again but but, uh, yeah, I, I, he was quartering towards me a little bit better and I had a little bit better downhill angle. My first shot was a little bit high. Actually, it was, it was, it was more high than what it should have been. And it was a little bit far forward, but it went through both front shoulders. So yeah, he came in, he's quartering towards me again. And, and now I have a steeper angle at him where I'm shooting down into him further. And it's like, yeah, I'm shooting at almost the same spot. <laughs> it's like, I'm shooting, I'm shooting like, like three inches off of my last hole. It's like, is this, is this going to do it? Yeah. I, I, I completely forgot about that part. Yeah. And I, I thought that was crazy when I saw, cause I was in Alberta at the time. So I didn't get to see the buck rate when it happened. When you sent him the pictures and the fact that your first one went through both front shoulders and like he survived was just insane and then yeah. obviously the next one you know the next chance you had just yeah well you put it down right away and you heart shot him but i remember i also remember when we were tracking him the first time we went down into this bottom and i saw this spot where you ended up killing him at and i remember do you remember what i said to you i was like yeah. i was like dude like this is the spot like i dream of like it's one of those spots that just it feels right. There's a good crick crossing right there. There's a scrape, a little grassy opening. You got cuts on the points. It's just like, dude, this is this is the spot. Like yeah. I remember, I was pumped up, and then you gave me your SD card from your camera because we were trying to check to see if you went away, and I corrupted it. Yep. <laughs> so, so I never uh, a whole month's worth of, of data on this SD card. I never got to see because Bo wiped my card. <laughs> Uh, uh, you gotta, you gotta get that card to my dad if you still have it. Cause he can recover anything that's been formatted or any problems. Uh, it's, it's, it's in the mix now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was laughing. But anyways, I remember that setup, and it was just like, holy cow. Like having, you know, you got that second opportunity at him. I think the, I think that's the hardest part, like, or the most impressive part for me is just like being able to have your head in the game enough. I mean, I know it wasn't for a long time, but <laughs> it gave me that look, but like to, to go back and you're like, I'm hunting this deer. Like I'm, I'm going to get back on him yeah. again. And I, that was just like the, the craziest thing to me. And, and what, I, what I keep learning more and more every year is 
at, at least the, the bucks that I, I've been hunting the last few years, it, it has seemed like they've, they've had spots that they really like. And if you're outside, I mean, you got to be where the bucks are. So like all of 2021, I was, I was hunting around the edges of where this buck lived. I knew where he lived. I never went there because that's where everybody else was hunting them. And, uh, so I, I never even saw him last year. This year I was like, I got to get in there, but I got to do something different than everybody else. And, and that, that's what the real difference was, is I had three sits where I felt like I was all in for him. Two, two spots where, uh, the, well, obviously the, we already talked about the first one, the second one. And there was one in between there where I went to that spot where I said, I eventually I did get a good wind. I think it was the day before I killed him. Right. So the day before I killed him, we had, a, I had a good win for that spot where I found the branches busted up and, uh, I hunted there and saw a, a couple does and a, and a little buck, but I never, never saw him. I checked those cameras and he, he wasn't there, but there was also sign that popped up in that area, like fresh sign that popped up in that area, but it wasn't in front of my cameras. So I was like, I still felt like he was there. And even in between, even around that area, like between the between the two hills that i've that i thought he was living on there was a sign like like he's crossing through here right yep in, in a, a couple different spots but uh really there's only three sits where i felt like i'm all in on this buck these are the days i'm gonna kill him and two out of the three i got a shot on him yeah and so the the first shot we said it was probably october 28th and then the second one was november 8th that was your second yeah. opportunity so almost 10 days later that you had um that you had that opportunity adam which is pretty crazy i was just gonna look up um some of the questions people had there but um yeah i i just think that's i think that's phenomenal and that from what you were also telling me was you thought that like that one hill that he's coming off of at night there and coming down across like he was there's does over there wasn't there more does in that area and he kind of wanted to be on his own you know living in his his spot um so, all right, there's a couple questions that we've already answered here, but uh, let's see. Oh, one, one I thought, you know, was getting asked about cameras and, you know, you're relying on cell cameras, cameras, and I don't, you don't, you have like a couple cell cameras maybe? I have a couple of cell cameras. Uh, I've never been able to make them work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so pretty much I just have cell cameras that work that I have to swap the SD cards out to know what's there. <laughs> Yeah, so you're not you're not relying on the that real intel there. You're using regular trail cameras as you were talking about with you know learning from history and stuff, but it's it's I mean you can correct me, but it sounds like you're more of just like reading the sign and what you're seeing and going off of that feeling versus versus needing that confirmation on cameras. Yeah, well I I think I think it's both, right? So I I think earlier I said that there was a there was a bigger, more mature buck in that area, but he didn't have the the same headgear. So unless you have this, these aren't areas that you can get on one hillside and, and glass to the other side to see what bucks are there. It's not an area where you can, there's nice big fields. You can go spotlighting, right? There's, it's just woods, right? <laughs> yeah. So without cameras, how do you, how do you, I, w- I wouldn't know what's there. Yeah to be able to find that specific deer as far as getting some yeah. confirmation there. That makes sense. Um, so when, uh, some other questions that had to do with like the area. So one person was like, okay, if you're hunting a specific deer and he's not showing up, 
how much time do you give it before you start moving on? Or uh, are you just like going off that confidence that he is there? Like how, what do you, what's your kind of thought on that? Like the, the same, like sitting in the same tree every day. Yeah. Or even like to say like the same couple areas, say those three spots that you, that you found that were good. Like how much time are you giving hunting those specific spots before you move along or, or try to find them? Say you're not getting on camera, but you had them, say you had them in October and all of a sudden he disappears. Like, are you still putting trust in that area or are you starting to branch out the different spots to find them? I'd probably stick with what I know and maybe make some micro moves like moving a hundred yards to a different tree. Just, just trying, just trying different things because I, I think they do catch on to you a little bit and you might be just off or, or maybe you're just off the whole time and, and you got to find the right setup. But in, until you have, like Johnny always says, you got to find all the evidence, right? So until you have evidence that says you should be elsewhere, I'll be scouting other areas, but I'd probably stick with that spot. I think. Yeah. You know, I think, I think what you just added there at the end is a good thing is like, you might not actively be sitting in that tree 10 days in a row, but you're not giving up on that spot, but you might be checking some other areas in between or like, say you're working and you only have a couple hours or whatever, and you're getting out and, and hitting some different spots and scouting it. And until you find something that's like, Oh yeah, he, he moved over here, whatever you're, you're sticking to what you know. And the whole, the whole time I was hunting this buck, I I spent more time search. Like I knew where he, where he was, or I I thought I knew where he was, but the whole season leading up to that, I'm I'm checking other areas to look to see where else is he. So to me, it's always like, you got to find that range. Where's he, where's he covering? And and you do that through cameras because for me, I'm not, I'm not good enough to look at a buck rub or a, a big track and know exactly what buckets from. Right. So yeah. if, you're, if you're looking for one deer, the cameras are really important, I think. Yeah. And, and, and another question that was on there is about like, you know, what you kind of look for in your setups. And, and I, and I know from knowing you is like a lot of the times it, it seems like all these deer you've hunted, you've killed in completely different setups from the yeah. most part well the, the the first one that's kind of up here and off the show it there that one was in a creek bottom as well wasn't it yep and then the other one that's behind you the big eight point that one was on a side hill yeah it was on a side hill he was kind of a weird spot it, it was uh it, it was just a really it was actually a really open side hill so at first light it was barely getting light enough where you can see and i can see a long ways from this this tree and I just started scanning with my binoculars. I'm like, I have a feeling I'm going to see a nice buck. And I'm, it's like, it's like dark enough where you can't see unless you're looking through nice optics. Yeah. And I'm scanning and all of a sudden I see a, a big frame with its head down walking straight towards me. I'm like, no freaking way. It's like, that's him. hundred percent sure that's him. So it's like, the only thing I got to hope now is he takes his time enough that it's late by the time he gets here. And sure enough, he came in and. And I got, I shot him at nine yards. So I'm on this wide open hillside and just thinking he he felt, he felt safe there and came in and I got him. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I believe you told the story of that deer specifically on uh, one of the other podcasts we did. I believe it's episode 155. So I won't dive into that deeply, but people can go back and listen to that and hear some of the, the last couple of bucks stories there. But it is, it, what I've learned and what I've tried to like break down from talking to you and everything is like 
there's not there's not really like one strategy you kind of go with and and it's very like learning the deer sign and then just like making assumptions based off of the sign that you're seeing and and having the confidence to to throw sits at it because you know we're talking about the success but there's a lot of times where you're hunting and it's not working out like we talked about in the last one you were on with johnny and my dad like at that point you weren't feeling extremely confident and then it was literally a couple days later you found all that hot sign and it ended up working out like it was that was only not even a week after that podcast was recorded yep absolutely yeah it's it's a lot of gut feeling for me which i don't know how to describe it any better than that but it's like you're you're looking for the sign you're trying to figure out individual deer and and you take you take the evidence that you have and you have to make assumptions and try and set up based on those assumptions i I try and visualize like how would a buck walk through this spot and you kind of get that by just putting hours in the tree even even seeing how smaller bucks use the area right so it's like building blocks every time you go out in the woods you're 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 getting these blocks like Legos. Sometimes it's a little Lego. Sometimes it's a big Lego, but you're, you're built, you're building up this, this structure, right? And it takes all these building blocks. And, and the more, the more blocks you get, the, the, the better chance you're giving yourself. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that, I think that does make sense. And, and it's, I get it's hard to articulate, but I think you did a good job there as far as like, I see it from time I spent in the woods with you. I see it when I spend time in the woods and Johnny, he looks at the woods the same way. Like you, you, when you get to a spot, you kind of visualize how deer are going to move and you only get that knowledge from seeing deer move. You know, yeah. so it, it takes time in the woods to be able to see it. I mean, even now when I'm looking at spots, you know, there's, there's certain things I want to, I want to hunt or be around with scrapes and everything else. But there's also those places that it's just like, you, you look at it and you're like, man, this is where a deer is going to feel safe and kind of move through these spots. And I always like a lot of times in those areas, I'll throw my test cameras, as I call it just to see if it can, can pick it up, um, moving through there. But you, you kind of get this, this feeling on what, what mature deer like to do. They do do things a little bit differently than, than smaller deer, a little bit more calculated as they're moving through the woods and, yep. and figuring it out and, and I, I also, another question I had was, you know, when you're, when, how many times do you think that people might be closer to the big buck they're hunting than, than they think they are, you know, like they, maybe they're not getting those trail camera photos or they're not. And they think, oh, you know, he's out of the country. Yeah. How many times do you think that that's wrong? I guess all, all the time. <laughs> so, so we've, we've talked about this before. It, it's what's nice about hunting mule deer is usually you're, you're hunting places where you can see, right? So you, you get a good understanding of, of what's there better than you do hunting in Pennsylvania. You could be 40 yards off, like you said, and because of the trees and how, how thick the woods is or the way the terrain is, you'll, you'll be throwing yourself a pity party saying how bad the hunting was when really if you're in a tree 50 yards to your left or 50 yards to your right, it's like you probably would have got a buck that day. And you don't really know that. So you, you got to keep that in mind and just keep your confidence up. Keep, keep making micro adjustments, trying, trying to figure it out. I, th- I think. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny you say that about the, you know, you could be 40 yards off. So I, I just edited a video today that by the time this comes out, it'll be on my Instagram and on YouTube too is, but it's like, 
I was going through some old footage of when Justin was filming me in 2020 on a rut hunt and I'm in the tree as I'm talking, I'm saying, you know, we haven't seen any deer like most days, like haven't seen any deer. (laughs) I said, but I feel confident. I said, I go, I can only see 30, 40 yards. I said, a deer could be walking right on the other side of this creek and I can't, I can't see him. And what do you know? My trail camera was a hundred yards away on the other side of the creek and the buck I was hunting was there and we went the whole day and never saw a single deer. And literally he comes down on video now that he's dead. That's the only reason why I'll share this information now, but he came down and if he went right, he went right in front of us. He went, he comes down the trail and he goes left, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it was literally a tree that we were going to sit in. There's like, I, Justin has like, I go in and I'm like, look, and I'm like, no, I'm going to keep, keep going. <laughs> I made like the wrong last yeah. choice to, I second guessed myself and that, that kind of screwed me up there, but yeah. And, and you got to keep that in mind because they're, they're, they're so unpredictable too. And, and luck has to be on your side quite a bit because like you said, if, if you would have turned one way, you had a 50, 50 chance, turn one way, he walks in front of you and gets an arrow, turns yep. left, he walks to safety and he turned left. Yeah. Good for him. Bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and when I was hunting that deer this year, so I was hunting that specific deer and you were telling me, cause I, I started getting, you know, antsy. I started bouncing around. I'm like, I'm not finding the sign. And you're like, you know, he's going to be there at some point. And, you know, I kept hunting, kept hunting and it didn't, it didn't work out. But what I learned after that was he did come back there and I was just too early. You know, he did, he was still in the area. He just wasn't in that exact spot at that time. Yeah. And he ended up coming through there, uh, November 12th in daylight that I had him on camera. Who knows how many other times he was, you know, weaving in and out of there. Um, yep. and then eventually got shot and, and gun season, but it, it, it just reassured that again, like literally this past season was one of the toughest I felt like I had for finding sign, finding bucks. Like it was yep, really, really tough. And that just reassured, like, sometimes you do got to trust, you got to trust your gut on like something's going to happen. Maybe it's not the right time for that to happen. And the sign wasn't there to lead me, you know, maybe I should have pulled out at that early time frame yeah. and, you know, came back and checked on it sort of deal. The weather wasn't really in our favor this year either. No, it, it was, it was a, it was definitely a pretty warm rut and sign was not what it usually was. I'll, I'll say that for sure. Did you, I don't remember. Did you shoot the first time you shot that buck was on a Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. And was the second time on a Saturday too? Or was it, you I, I don't a know for sure. Day? I can't I, remember. It was a vacation day. I oh, think. it was. Okay. Probably a Monday. Okay. I do. Yeah. I do remember. I, it is, it is kind of funny though. Like you've, you've had a lot of success the last five years and you've, these have also been the years that you've been putting in the time out West and not having much vacation time yep. to come back. And most of your bucks have been Saturdays Yeah, that, that you've been able to shoot. So yeah, that that's the way I like it. That's when everybody's coming to camp and <laughs> yeah, you plan it that yeah, way, get, right? Get to tell stories and celebrate afterwards. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's so funny. But it, do you think anything like, do you think, I mean, you've been shooting bucks for a long time, but you know, again, the last five years have been exceptional. Do you think it has anything to do with your out West hunting as far as making you better in the whitetail woods? Do you think there's any correlation there? I think that definitely helped me with the way I think about how deer use terrain. I I would say that for sure. I, I think what made the biggest difference was like a 
just a mental focus. Like before I loved hunting. I've, I've always liked scouting more than I like hunting. Right. So before I, I'd, I'd scout just as much, I probably had all the same amount of, of evidence as Johnny would say. I had all the same amount of evidence, but in my head it's like, I never really cared that much about looking for big bucks to, to try and kill. It's like, yeah, I've got good spots. And then the first nice two, two or three year old buck that came by as I was, I was shooting it. Right. So then I shot my, my first, my first nice one. And it's like, okay, this is pretty cool. It's time. It's probably, it's probably time for me to start elevating and trying to do this more often. I shot a nice enough, decent bucks. So that, the change in my mindset is probably what led to, to getting the bigger bucks, I think. But uh, also how seeing how out west the, the deer use the terrain where it's like they're not using this. I think, I mean, I'm sure there are some deer that use the same bed all the time, but even hunting mule deer where they have the terrain that's really open, you think that they'd be more strategic about what they, where they bed. It's like they might bed on, on this hillside and then the next morning you'll see them three quarters of a mile away and they're betting on this hillside. Right. So yeah, just, just really watching them and seeing how they, they act and where they choose to bed and where they feel safe at and how nomadic they are. It made me think about whitetails quite a bit differently. Yeah. And almost like, I remember you said it to me one time, it's like, you kind of look at this landscape, obviously the mountains are bigger out West, but you're like, just imagine it with trees and how hard it is to, to find them in there, but they're probably doing some similar things and moving, yeah. moving around a little bit. You know, they might have their core area, but they're, they're going to be, you know, moving in and out and just kind of watching how they, how they move in the train. And what you learn about mule deer too, is like where they'll have, where they'll bed in one spot you know, until a certain point in the morning and then they'll go and they'll move. You know, I know a lot yeah, of that the sun starts hitting the, the sun. Yeah. Um, but I also think deer do some of that too, is like, they'll have like a bed where they'll, they'll spend time. And especially if they're on like a side of a hill that has to do with the thermals and then the thermal switch and they might shift a little bit and, and bed. Yep. And like, I, I, I think, I think that's why a lot of times I'll see some of these deer like a little bit in that couple hours after daylight moving versus they might not have been just up walking around the whole time they might have laid down a little bit right around daylight and laid there for a little bit and then this is just my theory yeah and and that's that's why there's thousands of articles written about white tails and and so many and and you have this podcast yeah (laughs) because you don't know it's a it's a big mystery so we're we're always trying to learn more about these these white tails in these wooded areas because or even even farm country is it doesn't seem like you you see you see where they bed right you don't know no right no. so it's about putting putting together those clues like you said like you're you're getting pictures later in the morning right is is that you have to take assumptions is that because the thermal switched is, is that why is he changing positions to give himself an advantage to help keep himself safe it's it's a lot of factors that you need to take assumptions on yeah I, I actually would love to know. I wish we could like actually find the facts of what these deer were doing based off of what we've assumed, you know, when it's worked out and we're like, yeah, he was doing this and, and find out completely yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. May, maybe this deer I, I, I got that we've been talking about, he, he, maybe he didn't live there as much as I thought he did. Yeah. I, I'll, we'll never know. Yeah. And, th- and that's what makes, I like scouting big bucks way more than I like hunting big bucks. <laughs> I'll put it that way because figuring, figuring, trying to figure them out is, is it's the fun part to me 
when you're sitting in the tree stand and and there's there's bucks that you would have shot years ago coming by and you're giving them the pass it's like how many more hours am I going to be sitting here shivering <laughs> until I get my chance <laughs> if I if I ever do right yeah yeah so. <laughs> and uh, the last thing I'll say and then we'll end this but I've also seen a trend with some of your bucks that, well, you should, you did get a shot this one, um, October 28th there, but you've, you've killed a lot of them in that second week in November. You seem to like that time frame kind of coming down to the last week of our season quite a bit. Yeah. I think that, that probably goes, there's probably two main factors there from, from my, my perspective is one, a lot of the does are probably bred, right? So you're just trying to, trying to catch them going from one doe searching for the next right so you try well at least i, I try and assume that through october into early november's like the biggest bucks are all, they're probably already getting getting locked down with the hot does when they're available when there's only one or two it's like they're probably getting they're probably getting one of them so the less does are in estrus the more you think that they're they're going out looking for them right so i don't know if any of this is fact fact it's all just my assumptions that in the second week uh or that last week of the season is usually pretty it's colder typically yeah. so i think those two factors is is kind of what why i think that's there's an advantage to that those dates yeah and uh <laughs> one funny thing i want to add and I, and I agree with everything that, that you said there but i want to add that mason had mason ends up shooting his bucks in these cold the coldest weather conditions in these things and he's also the cheapest when it comes to buying good gear. As everyone knows that I like, I shouldn't say in everything, but when it comes to clothing, you know, as, as I've been wearing Sika and doing this, you bought some Sika things, but the, the, you stretch the limits of what the Sika that you have <laughs> is meant for. You know, it's lighter weight stuff and you, yeah. and you just, and you'll come in, you're freezing. But just the other day, you were sick of being cold. You walked up and hand and you're like, I want that puffy jacket that you offered because I offered you a puffy jacket that I had an older one. You're like, like, like years ago, you're trying to sell me this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I want that jacket now. And I, it was just like out of nowhere. And I just laughed and I'm like, oh man, yeah. now he's really going to be sticking in the tree longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what we'll do for, for hunting these deer. But anyways, Mason, thanks for, for coming on. Do you have anything else you want to add here before we before we end it i just i feel like whenever you put this mic on my head it it i forget how to breathe <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's uh it's just different I, I i don't really like talking about myself but i i love talking about bucks and trying to figure them out and and, and uh try and learn from everybody I, I i try and try not to be the the loudest guy in the room and uh at work, whoever wants to talk about deer hunting, I'm always listening, trying to pick up little tips and little clues of what maybe I can apply to the deer that I'm hunting. So keep that in mind. You you can learn from learn from anybody. Yeah, uh, that's that's such a good tip. I know Johnny says that a lot too. Johnny will ask anybody that could be brand new to deer hunting about you know, what their thoughts were on this or what they're doing. You know, he was talking about having his girlfriend in the woods and she saw something like, what do you think? And she's like, what do you mean? Like, what, what do you mean? What do I think? And it's like, he's like, well, you might be looking at something <laughs> yeah. completely different. Cause I have preconceived notions. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's, a, I think that's a really, really good thing to add. And I know, yeah, Mason doesn't like 
I don't know if he doesn't like coming on here, but he does it to, because I ask him to and to be to be nice. He doesn't like talking about himself, but I think that everyone can learn from the things that you've learned and sharing the experiences. None of the stuff we stay on here is factual. Like there's no way yeah. of anybody in the world being factual. These are our experiences. We're not saying we're the best in the world, not even close. It's just like sharing our own experiences because we've spent so much time out in the woods. Right. Yep. But anyways, well, thanks again for coming on. All right. Thanks, Will. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.